Hi, my name is Michelle Little, and I'm the host of The Unscripted Career, where I'll talk to inspiring women about why they chose to start their own business, how it's going, and any advice they can give to others. I'm a photographer, mom, and a part-time blogger with an interest in what makes entrepreneurs tick. Hi, my name is Michelle Little, and this is the first episode of The Unscripted Career. I talk to women who are local here in Montreal about being an entrepreneur, what drove them to be an entrepreneur, and all the other stuff that comes along with it. Because I can tell you, being an entrepreneur is not just about being a photographer or being a personal trainer. That's a very small part. So thank you to Maxine Grossman, who's my first guest. Hi, Michelle. So happy to be here. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, me too. So Maxine, to start off, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. I know you're from the area. You're from NDG Westmount. Yeah, I grew up a few blocks from where you live on one side. Now as an adult, I live a few blocks from where you live on the other side. So local for sure. I'm a personal trainer. I've got my own private training studio, but that wasn't always the case. It's been about three years since I launched my business. And what kind, who do you train at you? Who, who are your clients at your business? So I like to think of my clients as other me's. What do I mean by that? I'm a mom of two young kids. I'm a business person. And my clients tend to fit that profile too. Maybe because originally my business spread through word of mouth. So the people that I knew were moms with young kids. But I think as my reputation grew, my clients know that I get it, that I live it, that I love it. I know what it takes to fit exercise into your life when you're running after small children and trying to balance work responsibilities, family responsibilities, parenting, spousal, volunteer responsibilities. It's very easy to let fitness fall to the bottom of your list. And the (laughs) other me's, I try to help them, these moms with young kids, figure out not only how to fit fitness into their lives, but if they're going to dedicate an hour to this, what is the most efficient way they can be working out, what's right for their bodies, what makes sense for their bodies. And that's really my, my passion. Well, I can certainly relate. I used to having a lot on the go. <laughs> no kidding. Well, having a lot on the go, but also not, you know, I used to run like 25 K a week and now I do nothing. So I know that we talked and you're going to help me get back on that road to fitness. <laughs> But it is very hard when you have kids, you know, and I do really truly feel that you need a little bit more of a guiding hand when you have so many other responsibilities on the plate. So I'm sure that so many moms and parents in the area are grateful for your services. Well, I hope so. And that's the value that I try to add. I mean, you can get a workout anywhere. You can download umpteen million videos off of YouTube if you want to, but without someone there to guide you and tell you, are you doing it correctly? Is this appropriate for your body? Does it make sense after a C-section or a birth or the time your shoulder gave out or the time your knee buckled or that thing you did to your ankle? None of us are 18 anymore. We all come with our (laughs) physical baggage and you need someone there to tell you what are the appropriate exercises 
for you. And I think that's what really puts the word personal in personal trainer. It's an intimate and personal relationship. You've got to relate to me, but I got to get to know your body too and be able to best guide you so that when you do carve out that hour for yourself, you're spending it in a way that's smart. So I'm a big believer in the work smarter principle. Yeah, I I agree. Work smarter sounds like the road to go. So listeners can't see Maxine, but she's sitting in front of me and she is extremely fit. And not only is she just fit, she's strong. Can you feel me flexing out there? (laughs) Here I am pumping these biceps as we speak. So that's, I mean, that's something that I miss being strong at all. But were you always like this? No, no. Um, So I had a very uh, circuitous path to fitness. Growing up, I was good at school and I was really encouraged to stick to your books. You know, you do that academic thing. Don't bother with that sports thing. It's not for you. And it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you don't believe in yourself and your other classmates think of you as someone who's not that fit and athletic and you don't become that fit and athletic. And next thing you know, you're the last person on the wall picks for dodgeball again and again and again. Wait, is this true? hundred percent. You have to see her sitting in front of me. This woman is like, I, she would be number one on my team. And I'd be like, I don't even need the rest of you. Maxine, you're good. Like I, I'm having trouble believing this. Go to it's her true. website and look at her photo. Seriously. Uh, Michelle took the photos, <laughs> but that, no, no, it's true. So I did nothing athletic all through elementary school, all through high school. And it was only after graduating high school um, at that time, let me see, when I was 18, Step Reebok was the big craze at the local YMCA. I started doing step class at yeah. 18 and very quickly discovered that all the cute guys were upstairs in the weight room. So I abandoned step class, got a few workout buddies and transitioned into weightlifting. So now it's been 20 <clears throat> something years that I'm weight training four wow. times a week. Wow. So I would say now I have a long career in fitness, but it wasn't in my youth. And the message here is shed those preconceived notions. There is always a starting point. You can always start from where you are and move forward. Wow. I did not know that at all. So that gives me a little bit of hope for sure. So Maxine, you've mentioned that you've been doing this for the past three and a half years. Can you tell me about the transition for you? For sure. Well, like I said, I've been weightlifting four times a week for 25 years. Um, and at a certain point, it occurred to me that all my friends and family are asking me for advice. I love to talk about this stuff. I love to share this stuff. And it had just never occurred to me that I could turn my, what I thought was my passion, my hobby into a career. There I was in a career that I wasn't passionate about. And suddenly the light bulb went off that, that this could be my work. Uh, when was that light bulb moment? Like what, do you remember what it was? Was there like a trigger for you or were you just so fed up in your career? You were like, this has to change. Was it motherhood? Uh, a lot of those things. The truth is I had a very good career. So I spent 12 years in internet marketing. So I worked at a very exciting time in internet marketing where, Uh, social media was born, search engine was born, online advertising was born, and it was an exciting time, but it wasn't my passion. 
So I would spend all day at the office looking at my watch and wondering, hmm, I wish I could figure out my passion. Maybe I'll go to the gym after work. And hmm, I wish I could figure out my passion. I can't wait to join my workout buddy because it's legs and shoulders day. So when did that light bulb go off was on my first mat leave. So my first son is uh, about to turn six years old. And God bless Canada, here I am knocking on wood, God bless Canada for allowing moms uh, up to a year off. That time, that distance allowed me a little bit of perspective to reflect and it was at that time that I connected the dots uh, thinking that here I was always saying, well, I would find a career very rewarding and fulfilling if only I could help people. Too bad all I want to do is go to the gym. And then suddenly it dawned on me, well, maybe I can help my friends and my family and my clients one hour at a time, feel healthier, feel happier, feel stronger and more confident in their own bodies. Well, that's helping. And I would be passionate about it, doing what I love, being outside, being with people. You may have not gathered this yet, but I'm a very capital E extrovert. (laughs) So I just love connecting and being with people all day. And uh, it was in that moment in my first mat leave that I decided to start the transition towards becoming a personal trainer. What did your family think about it? You know what? Family and friends were actually really supportive. I was shy about it at first, and I first started to talk about it thinking everyone would say, you're nuts, why would you leave a stable financially rewarding career in internet marketing and I told a couple of uh, I told a girlfriend that I really I really remember this conversation I told a girlfriend I'm thinking about becoming a personal trainer and she looked me in the eye and said of course you are (laughs) and it was so fulfilling it was so reassuring that for her it made perfect sense that I would fulfill that role. Mm-hmm. So I love your, your title, the unscripted career, the type, the name of your podcast. I mean, cause I, I, I like to call myself an accidental yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. You know what I mean by that is at some point I decided I'm going to become a personal trainer, but I never really decided to become an entrepreneur. That part happened by accident. Mm-hmm. I could have become a personal trainer by taking a shift at my local big box gym or YMCA, punch my hours card, thank you so much, go home, collect my paycheck, and that's it. Instead, I find myself doing my own billing, marketing, who's going to build my website, what does my logo look like, Uh, am I supposed to charge tax, not charge tax, research, and, and, and countless other things too. And Now I wouldn't have it any other way, but at the outset, my vision was become a personal trainer. Yeah. I do love that part, and now I've found that I love the entrepreneur part, too. So why did you decide to become an entrepreneur and not just take a shift at the local gym? I think I really wanted to, part of me wanted to do things my way. Mm -hmm. The timing, the hours that I wanted to work, the equipment that I wanted to use, the way that I wanted to train people. I had talked to a few gyms that have their own methodology, let's say, or their own approach. And 
I wanted to, to bring my own approach to it. I also think that I brought with me a certain skill set, a certain knowledge from having spent my 12 years mm-hmm. in internet marketing and in business that allowed me the comfort to launch my own social media presence and manage my own book. So I had that know-how in order to be able to to kick it off and grow slowly and take it as far as I want to. I I agree from, well, for me, I mean, sometimes I, I love the marketing side and sometimes I hate it, but I think that when you own 100% of the business instead of just, I don't know, working for a company, there's a lot more drive. There's a lot more buy-in to the company because my it's Michelle Little Photography. I am 100%. I'm not working for Sears and taking their photos. So because it's my company, there's a lot. Well, there's a lot more emotion involved when things go good or things go bad. But there's a lot more drive to make it good you know right your integrity and your commitment to the quality and standard of work that you produce because it's your name on it ultimately it's my name and it's my baby you know I want it when I worked for a large company you know how you have goals and then you reach the goals and you're like okay good next but here it's like there's always ideas how can I grow how can I change how can I make it better there's a lot it's right. There's just so much more passion involved. What can I do to make this an amazing business and stand out from the crowd? Cause I know I have it in me and it's all me. It's my name. It's my business, your name too. It's Maxine yeah, Grossman personal training. Absolutely. You know? So there's, it's just a whole different set of emotions and passions and pushing involved behind it for better or for worse. Right. And Let's be honest, I worked for someone else for a long time. Yes, I switched to personal training because it's my passion, but I did it as an entrepreneur, to answer your question, because I wanted to work for myself. If I needed another boss, I could have done that. You know, I don't need another. There's a freedom in that, like setting your own hours, whether you stick them or not, but you know, being able to say, I want to have six weeks of holiday, or I don't want to work Fridays or, you know, it's kind of amazing. I mean, I was in corporate for 10 years where I had to be there at 8.30 and I couldn't leave until five, even if my work was done. And that just drove me bonkers. So speaking of working hours, how did you decide your working hours? I'll give you a little bit of backstory. Um, I'm in family photography, as some of you might know. And I remember when Maxine started, she said, I want to set my own hours. And I know that they may be unconventional for personal trainers, but that's what I want to do. And I thought if she can do it and if she can find these people and you know, she's a very convincing person. If she can have the confidence to say this, then surely I can do the same thing. And I've structured my business so that I don't work I work very little on the weekends and I don't really work on the evenings either, which is not very common for family photographers. So can you tell me a little bit about how you decided, because you are a little bit more unconventional as far as personal training, how you decided your hours. For sure. And let me just start by saying that, Michelle, you're actually an inspiration to me, whether (laughs) you know this or not, because I love how you set limits and don't back down from them and don't flinch. You're very clear about saying, if you want to work with me, you got to book me in advance. You got to commit me in advance and it's unapologetic. Those are your business rules and it helps give me backbone and spine sometimes too, whether you know it or not. Um, 
So it's true. You and I did an interview about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. where I said that I'm not doing early mornings, I'm not doing evenings and weekends, and everyone told me I'm crazy. That's when personal trainers need to provide their services because everyone's in an office all day. And I just said no because one of the reasons that I'm working for myself is to spend time with my young family and they need me evenings and weekends and I want to be with them evenings and weekends. So I really try to offer my personal training services during business hours, nine to five. And it seems to be, not it seems to be, it is working for people. The target market that I'm after are moms who either are other mompreneurs who own their own schedule or they're in an office and manage to take off an hour here or there, or they're stay-at-home moms, or they work four days a week or some percentage of time that allows them to make working out part of their lives. And there's been some compromises along the way too. So at one time I thought, I'll never do the early morning thing. And now it's become quite routine that I take clients at 6.15 in the morning. And you know what? I'm back home by 7.20 and I can still help my kids get out the door and do drop-offs. And then I'll go back to the studio for nine. So that time slot actually has worked out for my family, impacting them very little. And on the other hand, I'm very excited that my business has grown to the point where I've been able to hire a coach to do one evening and one weekend class a week. So maybe there's a compromise there in terms of how much income I make on it because there's a cost to the business, but it allows me to continue growing and to continue saying yes to clients who want to work out at these unconventional (laughs) evening and weekend hours. So I think it's amazing. Um, I know for me too, for me, it's, I mean, most people, I made it in my business so that it's attractive to book during weekdays. Meaning I, you offer a price point? I or offer a, a price differential between mm-hmm. a weekend and a weekday. That's and smart. That, that works very well for me. I do know that I have probably lost some clients who've looked at my calendar and said, there's nothing for me. I'm not going to take a day off. But you know, it's a choice that I have to make. And uh, right now, this is how I'm dealing with it. Well, there's value there too. And it's hard to put a price tag on how much is it worth to you to spend time with your young family, but you've priced it in a way to say, what's it worth to me to part with that hour of my time? And you build your business accordingly. So right now we're talking about your hours that you're actually in studio training people, but we all know that our actual job, what we do, photographer, personal trainer is only a very small percentage of what an entrepreneur does. Oh boy, that's a big (laughs) one. Right, exactly. And people ask me all the time, well, why are you working so hard? I mean, when you're not in the studio, what are you busy doing? The truth is the hours that I'm in the studio are like an iceberg. That's the visible part. That's the part that people see. What people don't see under the surface is I'm constantly trying to do my own marketing, keep my Facebook and social media alive. I'm constantly educating myself, reading articles, researching, looking up things, whether it's for the general population and what they might need in terms of new exercise science or specific client needs because someone has presented with a specific illness or injury or case that I want to look up. Plus, I have to make sure everyone's package is up to date. Where are they at in their 10-pack? 
is my scheduling okay? How does someone's sister need a referral and follow up on them? Did I get uh, clearance from so-and-so's doctor? Did I make sure that I reordered more of the granola bars that I have made? (laughs) Did I get the new logo? So there's a million things that I'm doing all the time from an administrative point of view. Some of it is just keeping the train on the tracks, the maintenance work, and and other parts are trying to build the business and move it forward. Did that part of the business surprise you? Because it kind of surprised me how much was involved in the behind the scenes of getting a business going. I remember I did the same thing. My my yoga instructor, I thought, whoa, man, she teaches like how many hours a day? She must be so relaxed the rest of the time. And then when I became an entrepreneur, I went back and I photographed her and I said, you know, I thought that you just kind of like did yoga on your off hours. And she said, people think that all the time they have no idea. It did surprise me. And I think what I'm learning now, three and a half years deep, is how to better allocate my time. And I'm only just at the beginning of this. I think for the first few years, every task seemed equally important, responding to every single email and every single Instagram post. And my husband, who's been incredibly um, encouraging along this road, has provided me with a good litmus test in terms of helping me allocate my time. In the evening, after the kids are down and it would be an opportunity for us to spend couple time together and I drift on back to my laptop, he'll ask me, is that thing that you're doing right now, is it something that's going to help you grow your business? Because if it is, I absolutely want you to do it. But if it's just one more Instagram post or answering one more customer service email that can wait till the morning, then let's spend that time together as a couple. And that kind of tough love, let's call it, has really forced me to shine a spotlight on my own time allocation and look in the mirror and say, well, how am I attributing my time? You, you said you're not going to work evenings and weekends. I know. And then here I am frittering away quality spouse time answering something that I could frankly answer at 10 a.m. tomorrow. You know, it's helped me try to prioritize a little bit a little bit better and put a box around how many hours I'll spend. Yeah, I think that was really hard for me in the beginning. Everything had to be done. Everything seems so important. And you know, when you're building your business and you're just starting out, yeah, a lot of things are really important. Maybe they are. Maybe they are that important at the beginning. And that's yeah. what allowed you to get to this part where you could prioritize. Yeah, but now, you know, I have to, I still am someone who wants to get everything done now. You know, I mean, for example, I should launch a podcast. (laughs) Guess what? I've launched a podcast. I should launch a podcast, wake up the next day, create the title, invite the guests one week later, having met with the sound editor, interviewing my first guest. Like that's kind of force of nature. Michelle. I I know, but for better or for worse, I mean, talk to my husband and he'll be like, do you really need to be doing that right now? But also I think as part of an entrepreneur, it's hard to focus on understanding is this going to grow my business is this not going to grow my business and you can focus on things that you realize two years down the road actually this was a complete waste of time or whoa this was great for me like you know in terms of learning what things are going to grow your business I think that's where a network like the one that we've developed again credit to you for initiating (laughs) but for those listeners who don't know Uh, We have a group of local mompreneurs who share ideas, 
resources, struggles. I think having that kind of a soundboard in one another can really help mm, focus where we spend our time and those times where we think, am I just spinning wheels or is this a valuable pursuit? Yeah. And I think part of that too is um, validation. Like, should I be doing this? And other people say, yes. You know, I don't have colleagues. I always say to my, my husband, I'll say, why are you on Facebook? And most of the time I'm on Facebook actually in groups where I'm asking questions to other photographers or in our entrepreneur group because I don't, I don't have colleagues that I can say like, hey, how often should I be following up with clients? You know, little things like that. And I just want to say for anyone listening, I think that connecting to other local entrepreneurs, they don't necessarily, and it's probably actually best if they're not in your field, is such a valuable way to grow your network and to get advice and get emotional support when the things get rough. So I, I do recommend reaching out and, um, I'm sure, you know, more entrepreneurs than you think. And, you know, all you have to do is post in a Facebook group like mummies NDG or something. And I'm sure you'll connect with like-minded individuals. You know, you mentioned for better or for worse, working on our own, Yes, we have the freedom to make our own hours, and no, we don't have a boss to respond to, but one of the things that I am very conscious of is always keeping my education and learning alive and at the top of your curve. And in an environment when you're with colleagues all day, then you're always exchanging ideas. And I've found that those online virtual relationships have helped replace some of that exchange with colleagues that you might have in a group environment so that you can stay stimulated. And you know, you mentioned local entrepreneurs not in your field to avoid competition, but you can have a network, a virtual network of people in your field, maybe who aren't quite so local, and that way exchange things that are on point in your field, other things that relate more to being an entrepreneur and, and avoid conflict at the same time. Yeah. For me, that's, that's a must. That is, if you, someone asked me, how did you grow your business? I would definitely say connecting with local entrepreneurs, not in my field and entrepreneurs in my field, but in wider networks. So Maxine, you're pretty good with your time. You've just said how you know, you do manage to keep a lot of your hours. Do you feel that there are any resources available? I guess you've just talked about connecting with other entrepreneurs, but how, you know, how do you look at the clock and say, okay, now it's my family time. Do you think it's just something you have to will and just force yourself to do? You know, to be really honest, I'm not very disciplined about carving out my schedule. I absolutely block out of course my client's time I'll know that I'm seeing so and so from 9 to 10 a.m and then what I'll find is that I'll end up taking two hours off in the middle of the day to do family things that need to be taken care of I'll run to the pharmacy make sure that we never run out of toilet paper and toothpaste get some dinner in the oven go do the kids pick up lo and behold dinner is ready by the time I get back and do the bed, bath, and beyond routine. Those times when my husband says, why is it that you're back on the computer for two hours at night? I'll explain it because, honey, I took two hours off in the middle of the day, and I'm not always good at 
carving out that this is work time or this is family time. I am trying to get better, as I was saying, about asking myself the question, is this urgent and needing to be handled right now? I will confess one thing that I try never to compromise on is my own workouts. But how do you do that? Because it's so easy to say, crap, I really should be doing my marketing right now. I'm super fit. Again, you can't see her, but she's super fit. I'm super fit. I'll just skip the workout. How do like, that's me. I'm like. So my own workout time is sacred. Probably to a fault. I probably would be better off doing three workouts out a week and not four and spending that extra time building my business. Better off meaning maybe my business would be further ahead. But because I genuinely love it so much, I schedule it in first and then find the justifications afterwards. I tell myself I need to be on top of my game. I need this for my stress, for my fitness. I need to be able to do anything that I ask of my clients. But to be really, really honest, I do it because I love it. So I make sure that those are literally booked in my calendar and I fit everything else around my own workouts. Well, and to be honest, when people do see you, you are a walking advertisement. I mean, if that's the case, great. I don't do it to be an advertisement, but I think it does convey the message that that I walk the walk, yeah. that I that I live it, that I do, you know, practice what I preach or whatever other maxim you want to use. I do believe in it as yeah. a lifestyle. I, well, I think that's important because if you don't believe in it as a lifestyle and you're trying to get other people to believe in it, there's no way. Um, just one thing I, you mentioned that I wanted to touch on was the mixing of the family life and the work life during the day. That's something I struggle with a little bit. You know, when I went to an office, it was like, you're in the office, you're focusing on work nine to five and that's it. But when you're working from home, you know, you're halfway through a task and you hear the laundry go off or you're, hmm. you know, you need to make the, you know, it's like, oh honey, I need some shampoo. So, you know, or the toilet paper and you, I find myself interrupting myself. So instead of working in solid blocks, it's like an hour and then I'm making dinner and then it's an hour and I'm folding laundry. I I find that like, I mean, I don't know what the solution is because I like not having to do laundry in the evening, but it is something that I think as an entrepreneur working from home, and this isn't just a mom thing. I think just working from home in general is hard in that fashion. For sure. I agree that that's totally a struggle. One thing that I read that was a tip for mompreneurs was to use the pomodoro technique. So if you know this technique, pomodoro is tomato in mm-hmm. Italian, and it came from a guy whose egg timer was in the shape of a tomato. So okay. we called it the pomodoro technique. And the idea is ask yourself, what is that task that you're hiding behind? Are you dealing with the laundry because you don't <laughs> want to write your next blog? Edit photos. <laughs> right? So what you do is you set yourself that task as a reward. You tell yourself, I'm going to turn my timer on, your egg-shaped timer, your tomato-shaped timer, what have you, 
for 25 minutes. I'm going to do that task that I don't want to do. And when the alarm goes off, my reward will be that I get to do the laundry (laughs) or go for a walk outside or make myself that second cup of coffee or what have you. But I, I, I do struggle with that mix of, you know, being a mom 24-7, a wife 24-7, and an entrepreneur 24-7, and none of it ever shuts off. If uh, the kids daycare calls me while I'm with a client, am I supposed to answer? Am I not supposed to answer? My clients would answer. Yeah. And, and, you know, my husband will, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm using him as an example, but he's been incredibly, as I said, encouraging this whole path. But he'll say, oh, do you have time today to follow up with the notary, that credit card thing, the dry cleaning? And I'll always answer, of course I have time. It just means something else will drop. There's always time. I'm nodding. I know you can't see it, but I'm nodding. So, yes, I can take care of it. But what isn't going to get done because of that? And nine out of ten times, it's something that I would have done for my own company that falls off the plate because I dealt with some home administration thing. And in a way, that's my contribution. So to be perfectly candid, do I have the salary today that I used to have when I worked at an ad agency? No, but part of the work that I do is for my company. And part of the work that I do is I work for the family. Yeah. So I take care of the meals and no, we never not run out of toothpaste and no, we run ever run out of toilet paper, although we've come pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And I think I knew, I knew that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of sound like I'm complaining, but I knew that going in that one of the reasons I wanted to have the flexibility is because I, you know, I wanted to have time with my kids. I wanted to not be worrying about, you know, 10 loads of laundry or, you know, be always cooking ready meals and, you know, yeah, it is a contribution. I know my husband sees it as well, but sometimes, you know, I just think, oh, I just wish I could just focus on my business, but mm-hmm. I have to remember, no, you know, that's not why you're doing this. You're doing this so that you can get other things done as well. So I think my, my, my totem animal is the swan. I like to picture myself as being elegant and smooth and gliding on the surface and underneath paddling like hell. And how many people know you're paddling like hell? Just you? Because <laughs> you don't look like you're paddling like hell. Oh, you then look the illusion like, is complete. <laughs> you look like it's like smooth. I'm working out. I got my clients. My toilet paper is stocked. <laughs> so I mean, and I, I guess I, I mean, people think that me too. They like you just said. Oh, you get things done, Michelle. You're so good with the clients. You never back down. It's not always like that, you know. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to price this project. I have no idea. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong. And afterwards you're like, whoa, that was not good on my part. Pricing-wise, the photos are always beautiful. But, um, you know, it's... So how many people know I'm paddling like hell? How many listeners do we have? (laughs) I mean, I think that's the value to doing a podcast like this is sharing a little peek behind the scenes or under the surface of the water uh, as you want to have it and sharing that is it part of my brand is it part of my image to look calm cool and collected a little bit um I also just like sharing 
positive energy and smiley energy into the world. Um, but yeah, paddling like hell under the surface for sure. <laughs> well, that, I think that's probably good for our entrepreneurs to know because I think that so much on social media and Instagram looks just like people are doing amazing. And you know, I, people want to look at beautiful things. They don't want to look at train. Well, people do want to look at train wrecks, but you know what I mean? So I think that that's what people see, but I think it's also valuable for people to know that, yeah, it's like not always easy. And sometimes you do things and you're just like, what am I doing? Sometimes you just take a jump. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm not sure if I can do it. I'm going to take a jump. And I think that just starting your business is taking a jump. Just being like, I've never been a personal trainer, but I'm going to get there and I'm going to do it. I've never been a photographer, but I'm going to get there and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to arm myself with resources and a community that I can count on, whether that's family, friends, virtual, in person, and just taking that jump and trying it out and seeing where it goes. And yeah, okay. Sometimes it might not be what you expected. Sometimes I'm might not be any, what you expected in a good way too. You know, we just talked about how being an entrepreneur, there's so much more behind it than just your thing, like taking photos, training people. But I've kind of learned to embrace that, that side of the whole entrepreneur thing. I've learned so much. I don't know about you, but it's crazy what I've learned. Absolutely. And I, I think that it's very easy to say things or read quotes online like oh your biggest challenge will be what you learn from the most or the best things happen after a crisis and you know no one wants to hear that in the moment of a crisis (laughs) but looking back in hindsight you realize oh those turning points those crossroads were my biggest opportunities Mm -hmm. for growth and you realize that those you know, what you thought was an obstacle did turn out to push you in a direction that ended with positive results. Okay. So Maxine, you've been in the business for three and a half years now. Can you let me know what, and I want to know too, not, this is just not for our listeners. What was the best piece of business advice you were given when you were starting off? Oh, that's a good one. And As luck would have it, the best piece of advice I was given was actually from another photographer who said to me, don't spend all your time just trying to hone your craft. You need to spend as much time being a business person. And you know, she told me that when she was starting out, she just wanted to be a better and better and better photographer. And that if she would just take more courses and buy more lenses or more lighting, that her photos would be so beautiful that it would, they would speak for themselves and the customers would just come flocking. And she realized, you know, how come these lousy photographers who are good marketers and good business people are getting more bookings? And she realized that both are important. And that really helped me a lot. I think at the beginning, I was so focused on learning more, going to more seminars, taking more courses. And that is important, but part of that came from some insecurity. Am I good enough yet? And eventually you have to balance that out with just taking a leap, as you were saying, taking on more clients, opening up bigger classes, reaching different segments of the population. The learning will happen in parallel, but you need to, as an entrepreneur, devote equal parts to honing your craft 
and being a business person and doing that at marketing administration. Talent is part, but the hustle is real and, and is the other part. And that, that's helped me a lot along the way. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with you because, I mean, it's just what you said. As a photographer, I see other photographers and I think, oh my goodness, those photos, I mean, they're not, I don't want to slash local photographers, but sometimes I see it and I just can't believe how popular a photographer is or, you know, that they're getting bookings. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're out there and you're on the Google rankings and people find you and they don't find someone else, well, they're going to... It doesn't matter how talented you are if you're not backing it up with, with the effort in building your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So Maxine... Tell local listeners a little bit more about how they can find you and what kind of services you can offer to them. So the business is my name, Maxine Grossman Personal Training. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Maxine Grossman PT, or you can go to my website, mgpersonaltraining.ca. And I've got a private studio in NDG, so I'm right across the street from Girouard Park. What's so nice is that as the weather gets nicer, we do classes outside in the park. You can lock your keys or your cell phone and your belongings inside. We go to the park outside, come back. I have 10 to 12 classes per week on the schedule. I invite all your listeners to come to a free trial, see if they like me, if they like my style, if they like the studio. After that, we can decide what's the right mix for them. So I offer a mix of small group training or one-on-one sessions. We cap the classes at six people usually, so you really get a lot of personalized attention and, and focus on technique. And for anyone who has individual needs for whatever reason, then I, I work one-on-one with those clients. And can you tell me a bit more about where, what your classes are like? What kind of exercise can they expect? I'm a big believer in strength training. So strength training can take a variety of forms. Typically, I do a mix between body weight training, meaning we're using your own body, push-ups, sit-ups, squats, pull-ups, and I also use kettlebells a lot. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it kind of looks like a round iron. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a handle at the top and a steel ball at the bottom or an iron ball at the bottom. They're super versatile. You can use them for a number of different uses for speed, for strength, for agility, for mobility, for stability. And they're very compact and they go away at the end of the day and we can come back to doing body weight work in the studio. But ultimately, it is just a tool. It's a means to an end. And the end is how do you balance, find that right balance between stability and mobility, between strength and endurance. And I try to help my clients who may be a little too mobile, found to find some strength, who might be a little too stiff, find some mobility, who might get winded going up the stairs, find some endurance. So I work with them to even out their, their fitness based on their goals. And do you have different levels of classes or how does it work? On my schedule, you'll see that I have two levels, one called basic body and one called total body. And those are indicated with a number of chili peppers. So (laughs) basic body has one chili pepper and total body has two chili peppers. The truth is that in that small group environment, 
I will adapt the class to every client and his or her needs based on adjusting the pace or the weight or modifying the movement. But the basic body is really an all levels class appropriate for any age, for any stage of postpartum or getting back into fitness from a hiatus. Whereas the total body is designed to really be a challenge and push you pretty hard all while having fun and all that good stuff. Well, thank you, Maxine, for being my first guest. I hope that you've been inspired by this conversation, both to maybe take that leap and to maybe check out Maxine's class and make fitness part of your life. I know I have been. So thank you for listening and thank you, Maxine. Thanks so much for having Michelle. It's really been fun. I also want to give a really big thank you to Charlotte Rowlard, who has kindly agreed to be sound editor on this podcast. I am so grateful for all the work that you put into this, and I think that it just added so much to the podcast. So thank you again, Charlotte.